On the surface, it is a really exciting time for the WNBA. Because TV viewership is trending upwards, its social currency feels higher than ever, and the league is now entering the era of super teams after some huge blockbuster moves in free agency this month. But despite all of that, the league has also been dealing with a problem. A problem that Neka Ogwumuke, a league MVP with the Los Angeles Sparks, had documented on her way to a game last August. Yeah, so... We are roaming the airport. It's the first time in my 11 seasons that I've ever had to sleep in the airport. But based on travel, it was only a matter of time. So half of us are sleeping in the airport, half of us are at a hotel. There weren't enough rooms. After our flight got delayed, 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 and then canceled at 1 a.m. And then rebooked for first thing in the morning. So it is now... 1.44, and we're here till 9 a.m. No, the WNBA does not charter private flights. The best women's basketball players in the world fly commercial. They all do, just like us normies. And more to the point, unlike the NBA and NFL and NHL and MLB and on, which is why another WNBA MVP Brianna Stewart, now with the New York Liberty, made this entire thing a focus of her free agency just a couple weeks ago. So let's talk about travel, because you tweeted that you'd love to be a part of a deal that would help subsidize charter travel for the entire WNBA. What do you see as the next tangible steps there and where you fit in to pushing those? I think the next steps for the charter is it's not going to go from from zero to 100. Obviously, we would love to have a company come in and just sponsor us for the entire year. But if we can be able to pick and choose the flights that we charter, whether it's the east to west coast trip or back to back, just having some flexibility, you know, because right now it's just a no. And and maybe it could be a maybe or a yes sometimes. But no is, is really hard to work with. But this issue is not simply about players wanting a bit more comfort and convenience in their travels, it turns out. It is a window seat onto a way bigger story. And so today, Ramona Shelburne helps us navigate the changing economics of women's basketball and how the sport is evolving after Brittany Griner safely flew home. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Thursday, February 16th. And this is ESPN Daily. Ramona Shelburne, you cover both the NBA and the WNBA for us. And for all of the trade deadline chaos of the NBA this month, with Kevin Durant going to the Suns and shaking up the league and all of that, the moment that the WNBA finds itself in right now, in its offseason... It actually kind of feels even more transformative. Well, the WNBA is at an inflection point, and it makes sense. They're 25 years in, and it's it's such a new league that there's a lot of things that we cover in the NBA and we sort of take for granted that they don't exist in other professional sports leagues, especially young professional sports leagues like the WNBA. So when the Los Angeles Lakers are flying to Portland, on the second night of a back-to-back. 
They're not heading to LAX and catching the red eye or catching the 6 a.m. flight like the LA Sparks might be. They're catching a private jet from a private terminal and landing without having to go through full security. In the WNBA, it has become increasingly hard on players when they have to fly commercially. So if the Las Vegas Aces have a game one night and then another night they're playing in Indiana and there's no good way to get from Vegas to Indiana, they got to get up in the morning and take that 6 a.m. with a connection in Denver and get to Indiana somehow. And several times over the last few years, players have missed that connection or the game has been postponed or the team shows up and everybody's a wreck because they've had delays because like the rest of America, the airline system doesn't work right now. These are not headlines, storylines. Oh, I missed my connection. Therefore, I couldn't play tonight or the game couldn't happen. That's not a thing we see in other professional sports, typically speaking, in America. And the reason we bring this up, okay, is not because you should feel sorry for these professional athletes who have to travel commercially. Mm -hmm. It's because the league itself is at an inflection point where they want to up the quality of play in the league, which means getting the star players to play in as many games as possible in as best condition as possible. Now, why is that hard? Well, it's hard to be at your best when you've had a travel nightmare. It's also hard to be at your best when you've played half the year overseas in Turkey or previously Russia or China. Because in those countries, they pay star basketball players seven figures a year. A million, two million, whatever the number is. That's where you make the most money. In the WNBA, a star player is capped at around $200,000 to $250,000 a year, depending on what the, the salary cap is that year. It's a massive disparity. A huge disparity. So in order to really make a living and as a professional athlete and not just have the WNBA be a summer job, the WNBA and its owners have tried to start implementing a system called prioritization. And this is taking effect, Pablo, over the next couple of years. Prioritization means... If you are not back from your overseas commitments by the start of training camp, and that's going to start next year, you can't play in the WNBA. This year, if you're not back from your overseas commitments by the start of the season, you can't play in the WNBA. It's a nice, lofty goal. However... You're taking money out of people's pockets. No, Ramona, what you're saying is that the WNBA is implementing a new rule system and philosophy that is trying to make it such that they are the world's number one women's basketball league. And that has implications for the women's basketball players who didn't have to see it that way before and honestly didn't want to for reasons of, yes, their own economic well-being. So this is where the news meets the theoretical problem that everyone has been trying to solve. In the WNBA, we're talking about taking five to ten times less for a star player to play as a summer job in the WNBA than we are overseas. Now, everyone would like that to flip. Everyone involved, the Mm -hmm. players, the league, the team owners, The coaches, everyone would love for 
the WNBA to pay its players as much as they make overseas. But economically, that is not a reality for the league yet. And so how do you change a financial system that has not yet evolved into one that can pay the star players what they make overseas? Now, when we got to this point, this was an issue in the last collective bargain agreement. It was something that was talked about theoretically. But then last year, Brittany Griner went to an airport in Russia. And playing overseas, especially in Russia, became very problematic because of what happened to Brittany Griner. If you're an American player, it is not safe to go play in Russia now. And to be clear, this was not just a place where Brittany Griner used to go to monetize her talents. This is a place where lots of players went from America. Diana Taurasi, for instance, maybe the greatest player of all time, played years and years in Russia. Yeah, our friend Superd, Candace Parker, just about every great female women's basketball player in the last... 20 to 30 years has probably spent a couple of winters in Russia making seven figures mm. for one of the big teams over there. And so that's why this situation with Brittany Griner was not just about Brittany Griner. This was changing the landscape of economics for all women's basketball players. And I think that's where we bring in Brianna Stewart. for the 2020 WNBA Finals, Brianna Stewart. Yes, hello, Lady Liberty. Brianna Stewart is headed to the New York Liberty after six amazing seasons with the Seattle Storm. Brianna Stewart is probably the best free agent the WNBA has ever had. The concept of free agency has really become a new one in the WNBA. It really has only been the last few years that there was true player movement in the WNBA. They instituted a hard cap. There's a system where you can core a player, sort of like a franchise tag in the NFL. And the only other free agent of this magnitude who's ever changed teams was Candace Parker a few years ago when she left the Los Angeles Sparks to play for her hometown, Chicago Sky. But Candace Parker was sort of towards the twilight of her career. She's in her golden years. She's extended those golden years far longer than anyone would have expected. Mm -hmm. Brianna Stewart is in her prime. Brianna Stewart is Kevin Durant leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder to join the 73-win Golden State Warriors. She is in her prime, many years left to go in her career. She is a franchise-altering star. Who, in fact, was being recruited by literally Kevin Durant to come to the arena that he himself, as we alluded to earlier, would then proceed to vacate in a separate parallel storyline. It's so funny how these worlds have interacted over the past couple of weeks because obviously Kevin Durant became a big story, but he was legitimately recruiting Brianna Stewart to the New York Liberty while he was a member of the Brooklyn Nets who play at Barclays Center. and. This recruitment of Brianna Stewart to the Liberty has been over the course of a couple of years. She was a free agent the year before. She elected to return to Seattle to play one more year with Sue Bird, and they played together. But she met with the New York Liberty the year before, and the seeds of this gigantic franchise-altering move 
were probably laid two years ago when mm. the New York Liberty decided we're just going to charter planes for our team and not tell anyone about it. Boy, you just got through telling us how WNBA teams are not allowed to charter planes. And so how were the Liberty doing this? So in the year 2021, Pablo, you remember we were all going back on airplanes after COVID and the vaccines were available. This is after the WNBA had the wobble and the NBA mm-hmm. had the bubble. So yep. the following season, it was still kind of weird to travel commercially. You know, we were all still flying with masks on at the time. I think we were probably in the Delta wave back then. Yeah, that that all sounds um, very, very recent and also a million years ago. Right. And traveling commercially felt like a tremendous health and safety risk for most people at that time. Not to mention, professional sports teams were testing their players for COVID every single day. And if you tested positive, you were out for a week or as long as you could take to have produce a negative test. And so during that year, the issue of commercial air travel became a major issue all around the WNBA, which was if you want us to play, the safest way for us to travel is not flying commercially through airports with many people who are presumably wearing masks, but there's a safety risk involved in traveling that way. Wait, wait. So they basically, the New York Liberty sought and received the equivalent of an emergency use authorization for private planes. Well, they didn't actually ask permission. You know the phrase? Mm. Yeah, you asked for <laughs> forgiveness, not permission. I have been counseled yeah. to not do that, but right. So, you know, at that moment, Private air travel was something Joe Tsai, who is the co-founder of Alibaba, it's a multi-billion dollar company based in China who owns the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Liberty and his wife, Clara. That was something they could afford for their team. And it was important to their team and a lot of the players in the WNBA. And they just decided to fly privately and not ask permission and not tell anyone. Now, mm. word of this got around, of course, around the league because other teams whose owners did not want to pay for that and did not want to ask questions were like, hey, wait, you guys can't fly privately and have all of us be still flying commercially. And it took a while for the reporting to come out. There were some photos posted on Sabrina Unescu's Instagram from a wine country retreat that they went on. Yeah. They weren't exactly subtle about the fact that they were doing things like this. No, people people noticing that, wait a minute, that's not a bulkhead seat. Word made its way around the WNBA. Uh, hey, the Liberty's flying private? Like, that's not supposed to happen. Well, there are competitive balance issues in theory. Of course. Because, hey, wait a minute, if, if some of these owners are richer than others, and they're allowed to use their wealth in ways that flout the rules that are meant to create a level playing field, of course, people are going to be angry. And so the Liberty found itself in quite the hot water. They were fined $500,000 for flying their team privately, which is probably what it cost all season to go to all those games. And I, I think it was supposed to be more initially, but the other owners in the WNBA were really angry. I mean, this was 
a total affront to the other owners who could not afford this. It was a sort of rogue move by the Liberty to do this. But we're underscoring a larger dynamic that is essential to the story, which is that there is a massive gap among owners in terms of what they are willing to pay and what they can afford. Pablo, have you ever interviewed an owner and made the mistake of saying, okay, so when you paid like $2 million for your franchise and you're like, oh, wait, I'm sorry, billion, billion with a B, <laughs> right. not billion. Right. And like people like you and I make that mistake because we don't have billions of dollars, right? Like million and billion are both very big numbers. But it makes a really big difference if you have billions versus millions. And I think that is where the WNBA is finding itself now with some of these franchise owners. There are millionaire owners who own franchises that do very well, but they cannot afford to pay a lot more money for the players and a lot more money for private air travel and with all the bells and whistles. And then there are billionaire owners who can afford all of that and then some don't even bat an eyelash at it and can't believe they have to not spend because other people can't afford that. Into this dynamic, of course, is Brianna Stewart. And she has the ability, due to free agency, to try and accomplish what? that I had never heard of before in any sport, in any context equivalent to this. And this is a really fun line that she was trying to walk, which is there's a whole collective bargaining process. The the Players Association talks with the league and the board of governors, and they come to agreements on what the priorities are in the next collective bargaining agreement. And in the last one, which they did a couple of years ago, They prioritize higher player salaries, maternity leave, other issues. I think they got economy plus for some players. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh, but but that's all they got. That comfort treatment. Yeah. Yeah. And I laugh, but I shouldn't laugh, but I do because I'll never forget six foot eight Liz Cambage being like, do I look like I can fit in economy? You know, (laughs) six, eight. A lot of the star players, a lot of the taller players, especially, they will pay out of their own pocket to upgrade their seat either to economy plus or business class. They're like you and me hoping that our miles have enough weight on this flight to see if we can get the upgrade. I mean, that's where the WNBA was on the last CBA. Well, Brianna Stewart's a free agent and she says, I'm a giant free agent. I have a platform on my social media. I know that I am a big storyline and I know that I'm important enough for any team in the league that wants to recruit me to fly to Istanbul, where she was playing with the Turkish club Fenerbahce, to recruit her. Like, Mm. you know you're important when people will get on a plane to Istanbul to take a meeting. That's a long flight. The the Mystics, the Lynx, the Liberty, and the Seattle Storm, which is where Stewie had played the first seven years of her career, they all got on planes to Istanbul and did whatever it was going to take to recruit her. Stewie decides, I'm going to use my platform and my power in free agency to advocate for the things that I want to see happen in this league. I want to see charter air travel. It's really important to me. And it's really important to this league. And it's really important to my friend, Brittany Griner, who was wrongfully detained for nine months in a Russian prison after they found a small amount of hashish oil in her luggage. And Brianna Stewart, every single day that she could, tweeted, 
it's been however many days bringing Brittany Griner home. Every single day, she kept Brittany Griner's name in the news. Yes, she was the number one most consistent voice that I always saw advocating for her. To raise the visibility, to keep the pressure on, to continue to say, Brittany's out there, we got to get her home. Why is this important to this story now, Pablo? There is this widespread feeling amongst players in the WNBA, amongst teams, amongst owners, that Brittany Griner, because of what she has been through, because this happened at an airport, because she is going to be so publicly visible when she travels through an airport. Everywhere she goes, she is a spectacle. And this idea of having her get on commercial airplanes again and flying commercially again, where she's out in public like this, it's being talked about in the league as an issue that would say she needs to fly privately or does she need to fly privately? It's a very big question right now. Now, from what I'm told, she has not asked specifically for that special accommodation yet, but there is an assumption that she will or that it will be offered now. And I think some of the reason is that she still technically hasn't resigned with the Mercury. She will but they have a new owner, Matt Ishbia, who, by the way, pulled off the Kevin Durant trade. Yeah, it all, it all is, it all is connected. It all, col- it all folds together. And now, Brittany Griner, all six foot nine of her. Yeah, it seems especially difficult to fold her into a commercial airline seat. Yeah. While also having to deal with potential security threats, right? As a result of being the most talked about athlete and detainee in American life over the past year. Right. And if Brittany Griner is granted special accommodations in terms of her travel, would she fly by herself? Why would you fly a private jet with Brittany Griner and then the Mercury commercially? If you're going to get a private jet, why not get one for the Mercury? Yep. Which then gets back to the competitive advantage. Well, if Phoenix is all flying privately, why can't the rest of the league? Is that fair for Phoenix to fly privately? Is that a competitive advantage? And... This all has brought the issue back to the forefront. And Brianna Stewart, who is really good friends with Brittany Griner, was two weeks away from flying to Russia herself before Brittany was detained. Like, she was going to go there too. Mm. I mean, I think there's that feeling amongst a lot of WNBA players, like, wow, it was Brittany, but it could have been me. And so we get to this place now where the Brittany Griner story intersects with Brianna Stewart's free agency, which intersects with where the WNBA is financially as it's trying to grow. And I, I kept thinking to myself as somebody who you know, went to college at Stanford in Silicon Valley, and I have a lot of friends who started venture capital firms or work at venture capital firms. And the way generally those kind of companies work is you get a venture capital firm to believe in you for a while. They pump lots of money in. That's why you have really nice break rooms and they send you on fun corporate retreats and you burn yep, through all your money. Pods. Yeah, right? And for the first five years, life is great. But at some point, you have to stop burning through VC money and you have to make it work. You have to show a profit. Yeah, you have to sell a product. Yes. And the WNBA is at that moment where it's 25 years of support from the NBA, support from owners, many of whom are not making a profit if in fact they're they're probably losing. It's not a huge loss. There's only a few franchises that make money. And so, you know, you're at the moment where you go, okay, do we ask for another round of venture capital funding? 
Or do we stop taking the VC money and try to build the business ourselves? Coming up, how the WNBA is attempting to answer that very question. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Ramona, you just explained the economic issues that the WNBA is facing, trying to balance their business with the desires of their players. And so how is the league going about trying to solve this problem? Kathy Engelbert, the commissioner of the WNBA, comes from a business background. She came from Deloitte. She was a consultant there. And yeah. she knows this problem well. An accounting and you, firm. An accounting Literally. firm, right? And so when you have somebody like Kathy with her background in business, she's really studied the issue and she's communicating with the owners. And so her message has very consistently been, we need to build the WNBA as a business. And the money that is going to fund this business is much the same as it is in other leagues. Mm-hmm. Broadcast rights. The NBA media rights deal is $9 billion, okay? The MLS, which actually gets less ratings than the WNBA, just had a $125 million broadcast rights deal with Apple TV. Mm-hmm. It's the right time for a league to try to take its broadcast rights deals to the next level. And the WNBA had tried to do that in its last round of negotiations. I don't think they got what they believe they they need or they deserve. And it's a continuing issue of where the money needs to come from. Does it come from corporate sponsorships? Does it come from media rights? Does it come from the team owners? Let's call the team owners in this equation venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. They're the VCs who have been funding this operation and sort of debt financing this for a while. Yeah, and they want to see green arrows. They want to see returns on the money they have been putting in. Some do. Some don't care. Some would just keep spending money like it didn't matter for 25 more years because they're billionaires, not millionaires. What's the breakdown, Ramona? What's the (laughs) breakdown of the haves and the have even more (laughs) among this ownership class. Well, what's interesting is the ownership group in Seattle has been very successful. And they've obviously won championships. They're they're one of the franchises that I, I believe turns a profit. Same with the ownership group in Connecticut. Also, I believe they turn a profit and do fairly well. But they are part of the millionaire class, not the billionaire class. And there was a story the other day that came out, um, I believe the Wall Street Journal, 
that the Seattle Storm sold off some limited partnerships with a valuation of $155 million. That is a giant valuation. Giant valuation. And like my eyeballs widened when I saw that. And I think we're at this moment of how do you value the WNBA? The WNBA embarked on a capital raise where they got a lot of owners from even the NBA who don't have WNBA franchise, like the Arison family from the Miami. They chipped into the capital raise for the WNBA. The Indiana franchise, the Simon family, like a lot of a lot of NBA owners contributed to the capital raise in the WNBA because Kathy Engelbert's strategy is, okay, let's get some more VC money, but let's invest it in growing the business because the business is not there to support the day in and day out expenses of paying the players seven figures, playing for private air travel, paying for all the bells and whistles, like the Four Seasons hotels that NBA teams stay in. The business does not support that type of lifestyle yet. The very fact that the Seattle Storm being valued at $151 million being a giant number speaks to, on a relative basis, how, again, how far bigger the NBA is in terms of the orders of magnitude here. Just to, just to put this into some level of perspective, the, the NBA has been around, we just had its 75th anniversary, right? We're just going through all that. The WNBA is 25 years in. The NBA has something like $11 billion in revenue. The WNBA is like 150 million. Yeah. That's, that's a huge difference in order of magnitude. And that is not a value judgment on the WNBA. This is a young league, a young business. And what Kathy Engelbert's mission in this state right now, and her job as commissioner, what she's brought in to do is grow the business so that it can support itself. That is how any startup works. That's how any business works. The players, though, can't understand why, okay, if you raise $75 million in capital as a, to try to grow the business, why can't we afford 20 to $30 million a year for charter air travel? Why can't we put that money right back into the league for our standard of living, our, our quality of life? What is this money being spent on? It's been advertising, marketing. There's a lot of debate about where this capital is being spent, how it's being spent. Because when you hear a phrase like, oh, it would take, let's just say on the high end, $30 million a year for every team in the WNBA to travel privately, it doesn't sound like a lot of money. What, what $30 million? Like, there's 30 NBA teams, have every NBA team kicking a million dollars a year, we're done. <laughs> you got it. You can pay for the ladies to travel privately. Let's go. Like, it sounds it sounds simple. I mean, literally, you could get, you know, two guys on mid-level exceptions and pay for it. The other solution that keeps being thrown out is, why won't Delta or American or some of the other major U.S. airlines, why don't they become a sponsor and just pay for the charter air travel themselves as their sponsorship. No, we can sit here and madmen marketing solutions yeah. all day, but you're circling a reality here that is more complicated because how does this actually, do you think, get done if it ever gets done? So a lot of the conversations, and Kathy Engler's been on record as saying, people say, they why can't you just get an airline to, oh, $30 million, that's not a lot of money in the order of magnitude. Well, you can't just do it for one year. You have to get a commitment from a corporation or, or franchise to do it for at least 10 years. Well, now you're not talking about 30 million, you're talking about 300 million. It's a big commitment. They haven't solved it. From what I understand, 
Brianna Stewart has raised the issue in such a way in her advocacy for Brittany Griner and in her platforms on free agency where she tweeted about it. She talked about it on ESPN. She talked about it in a press conference. That This is an important issue for her and she's going to keep talking about it. I think she's raised the issue enough that the league now is having conversations about finding even just a partial solution. So maybe, maybe the league doesn't fund private air travel for every team, for every flight. But could they do five flights a year? Could mm. they do seven? And each team gets to take a, a chance to, oh, well, we'll do these five flights because it's the back-to-back, it's the long flight, it's the connection. That's a start. And that might be doable. I don't know if it's doable this year, Kathy. She doesn't want to, she, every, in her public comments, she doesn't want to promise anything that she doesn't think she can deliver on. But I, the conversations that I understand are taking place right now are, can we find a partial solution anytime soon. It may not seem like much, and it's not going to change the game completely, but it's a start. And for somebody to go with literally one tweet and spark that conversation to the point where they're really talking about a partial solution... That's a lot of power that one free agent just wielded. After the break, the precedent in another sport that might be a path forward. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Picture this, you arrive at your hotel, you have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country, you have your laptop open, ready to begin, and the Wi-Fi is so terrible you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi, so you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What's the precedent that the WNBA is going to lean on here as they try to envision a template in like sports business in general for what they're going to try and do? Well, just look at Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer in 2020, they had a new collective bargaining agreement. They had, their players had been flying commercially for years, just like the WNBA. And when they signed the new labor contract in 2020, they went to charters. And it's that league is a little more developed. But if you look at the ratings, the WNBA says, hey, a lot of our ratings are better than the MLS ratings. Why is our broadcast rights deals, and they have several of them, why are they at this level where the MLS just got $125 from Apple? And this is a golden era for media rights deals around professional sports. I mean, you've seen just gigantic numbers 
in no Ramona in, as as employees of ESPN we uh, should be clear no, about no. this too that this is part of where we stare directly into the camera and break the fourth yeah. wall a little bit like the WNBA contract is with ESPN as yeah. it happens it's with ESPN and they have a couple other uh, licensing agreements as well but generally speaking ESPN has been the broadcast home of the WNBA it's where the the biggest games are and it's been a a, a very good broadcast partner for the league for a long time so there's going to be an interesting situation coming up, both for ESPN, but also other streaming services. How much does Amazon get involved here? Amazon was, I think, the first streamer to invest in the WNBA. And their rights deals are not on the same order of magnitude as other, as other leagues, especially the MLS, Major League Baseball, football, basketball, the NBA. Correct. But the WNBA, when you ask them about it, they say, well, look at our ratings. The ratings are pretty good. And so I think it's a bit of a chicken and the egg. Is it because it's on ESPN? It's the biggest platform. And it's very time when you're not competing against the NBA or football. Can you sustain local ratings? Do all the, all the teams have a local broadcast partner that spends money to televise its games? It's a really interesting financial question of what those media rights are will be answered over the next couple of years. And I think that brings us back to Reagency and the super teams that have been constructed in this offseason. Right. I mean, this offseason has seen the birth of two specific super teams, and it starts with the Las Vegas Aces, who are last year's champs, and they have Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, and now Candace Parker. And then the New York Liberty are, yeah, stocked with the number one overall pick from a few years ago, Sabrina Ionescu, who is a star. They have Brianna Stewart, who we just discussed. And also they have, by the way, former MVP John Gwell Jones and four-time All-Star Courtney Vandersloot. And so it is basically like if both conferences had their own version of, yeah, the KD, Steph, Clay, Golden State Warriors. Yeah, the ratings for those finals were gigantic. <laughs> okay, whenever the Cavs would play the Warriors, when they played all those years in a row, they did well. People were interested. People love heroes and villains. People love rivalries. Candace Parker, who was probably the biggest reason before Brianna Stewart to ever leave a team that drafted her and she won a championship with when she went to the Chicago Sky a couple years ago. Oh, she just left the Sky and joined the defending champion Las Vegas Aces. <laughs> so now we get to talk about how is Candace Parker and Asia Wilson going to play together? How are Chelsea Gray and Candace Parker going to play together now that they're reunited? What's it going to be like when the sky plays the aces? Like, these are great storylines. No, it feels like Vegas is seeing this inflection point and seizing it. They are spending in, in all sorts of ways, it seems, to, yeah, be the number one team in this reimagined sport. I like how you put that. They are spending in all sorts of ways. <laughs> <laughs> because a little while ago, uh, Howard Bechdahl broke a story about Las Vegas being investigated for possible circumvention of the salary cap. Now, mm -hmm. we saw this in the NCAA for years and years when, when people should be paid more or could be paid more by other outside interests. There are ways to pay them more off the books or creative ways to do that. The WNBA, I can tell you, is investigating the Las Vegas Aces for possible circumvention of the salary cap. And this issue came up because De'Erica Hamby, who was traded to the Los Angeles Sparks while she was pregnant, was a little upset about it, felt like 
promises were made and wrote that in an Instagram post. Promises were made that have that she felt had now been gone back on. Not just because they traded her while she was pregnant, but because this idea of promises were made. Now that's a classic phrase that one would use to hint at what happened to our wink, wink, nod, nod deal of how you were going to get me more money because you could only offer me this under the salary cap. And that is, from what I understand, an ongoing investigation to the point where, um, yeah, I look, Mark Davis owns the Las Vegas Raiders. Owns the Las Vegas As Raiders. Say, another guy with uh, one of those billions with a B guys. Billions yes. with a B guys. Okay. Plenty of money. Not billionaires. Billionaires. Very big difference. This is a, a really interesting story to follow over the next weeks and months because this super team in Las Vegas, they already won a title and then they added Candace Parker. <laughs> they won a title and then they added quite possibly the perfect player to play alongside Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray, who's already won a title with Chelsea Gray. Oh, I would be yeah. mad too, Ramona. I'd be so mad if I was another uh, competitor in this yeah. league, of course. So, you know, look, we don't just have two super teams. We have two super teams with a lot of controversy around them. It's a reason to watch. Yeah, it really is. The super team era in the WNBA is here. And in a lot of ways, the best super team the WNBA has ever seen came right at the beginning with the Houston Comets. That's a Cheryl Swoops, Tina Thompson, Cynthia Cooper. Like they won the first four titles. That was when a lot of people were introduced to the WNBA. That's what it made a big splash when the Comets were that good because People like super teams. People like superstars. When they get together, it is beautiful basketball. And there are rivalries. Yes, you love to watch them or yes. you love to hate them. But either way, you watch them. And so now we're back to how does the Encore product help grow and sustain a business to where it can elevate the Encore product by people playing more, people only playing here at home, not having to go overseas and all that wear and tear on your body, not having to travel commercially, all that wear and tear on your body, making the WNBA the only league you want to play in and the only thing you do play in. Yeah, Ramona Shelburne, it does not sound like the story is close to over. And so I thank you, yeah, for taking us through it um, nonstop. You're welcome. Thanks, Pablo. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.